Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. A lot to get to, much to dive into. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us. First of all, the Dodgers are close to their first World Series title since 1988. Clayton Kershaw gets a big win. The Dodgers one game away from exorcising their postseason demons. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later in the program. But obviously... This is a football-centric show. We talk the NFL and we talk college football a lot on Mondays. And so I want to start with that fabulous Sunday night football game and the big win that Kyler Murray and company managed to get against the Seahawks. The, The big lesson here is Seahawks finally lose a close game and Russell Wilson proves that he is mortal because he made a bunch of mistakes in this game that gave Arizona a chance to win. Now, to be fair, Seattle still scored 34 points, but Russell Wilson threw three interceptions, including a late one that allowed uh, Gonzalez to get redemption after he missed what should have been the uh, the game-winning field goal in overtime. He comes back for the Cardinals, makes another one, and... This is just more evidence as if we needed it of how good the NFC West is. You can make an argument based on what the 49ers did to the Patriots, and we'll get to that in a little bit, based on what the Rams have done so far this year, and certainly based on the Seahawks and the Cardinals, that that there is no division 
that is even remotely close to as good as the NFC West is right now. Kyler Murray, what a performance. 360 yards, three touchdowns through the air. He also ran for another touchdown. He looked absolutely spectacular as the Cardinals win uh, to get to 5-2 and two, and Seattle loses to get to 5-1. and one. So we only have one unbeaten team now left in the entirety of the NFL, and that team is the Steelers because the Steelers outlasted the Titans in what was an absolutely heavyweight fight, it felt like, game on Sunday. And what stood out about, so congratulations to uh, the Arizona Cardinals, what stood out to us about that battle between two 5-0 and teams, the Steelers find a way to win, first of all, because Steven Goskowski missed a 45-yard field goal that would have put this game into overtime. And what was interesting about this game in general, I would say, maybe more so uh, than, uh, than, than was expected, was how it was clearly a tale of two halves. The first half, the Steelers pretty much came out and absolutely dominated the Titans, took the opening drive down for a touchdown, were up 24-7, kicked a field goal early in the... Uh, second half and then the Titans kind of caught fire from there the only time the Titans had a had the ball with a chance to take the lead in the entire game was the final drive and it came down to that Goskowski kick after and again I think if you went back and watched the film and you asked Ryan Tannehill hey what did you do wrong the Titans were in incredibly good shape After he hit A.J. Brown to convert a third and 12, Titans had a first down at the Steeler 25 with one minute to play. And on that play, as he dropped back to pass, first and 10 from the Steeler 25, Ryan Tannehill got hit with an intentional grounding penalty. Credit to the Steelers for putting him under a little bit of pressure. But I think Tannehill could have easily taken a couple of steps, gotten outside of the tackle box, and just heaved the ball wherever he wanted to go. Uh, He wasn't far from being outside the tackle box, and Tannehill's pretty mobile. He didn't do that. He lost 10 yards, also required a 10-second runoff loss of downs. That put the Titans kind of behind the eight ball. They didn't really have an opportunity at that point to try and go for the win because once you were at the 25 with a minute to play and a first down – you had a real opportunity there if you hit that play or you hit the next play to put yourself in a position to not just make a field goal, but to go and win the game with a chance to throw a couple of passes into the end zone uh, with opportunities to win the game there. But I left watching the game between the Steelers and the Titans convinced that both of those teams are really good and they may match up again in the future. The Steelers were unbelievable on third down And that's really where they won the football game was their conversion rate on third down and particularly third down and long was flat out scintillating. And so that is what stood out the most to me was the Titans couldn't get off the field. And as a result, the Steelers finished 13 of 18 on third down. I mean, that is a crazy statistic. That's also an unbelievable amount of third downs overall to go 13 out of 18 is just uh, an insane number 
of uh, of attempts overall and to hit 13 of them is pretty wild. But it felt like a game where most things were even. But congratulations to the Steelers for being the last perfect team standing. They're in a tough division, obviously, the AFC North, and we will see how that shakes out going forward. But uh, to me... We also have to circle back around to the uh, to the loss that the Seahawks had and point out how unbelievable, and now that they lost, it doesn't seem like as unbelievable of a play, but DK Metcalf chasing down uh, Buda Baker on what should have been a pick six. Russell Wilson threw three interceptions. The effort that was expended on that play was off the charts. And I've talked on this show about how DK Metcalf reminds me of Randy Moss. There's no way Randy Moss tries to make that play. There's no way he runs as far as uh, as we saw DK Metcalf. There's no way he hits uh, 22.64 miles an hour. DK Metcalf, they said, ran over 100 yards to make that play. And we should point out that for a moment, I'm sure Cardinals fans, their uh, their hearts were in their throats, for a moment, it looked like DK Metcalf had a walk-off to win the game for the Steelers in overtime. 50-yard explosive play on what was a pretty basic just wide receiver screen. Uh, Russell Wilson stood up, threw it out wide, and DK Metcalf made it happen from there, but they called a uh, holding penalty. And I do think it was the right call on the hold. I do think it was a hold but it was still an absolutely incredible play uh, that DK Metcalf made. And I think you can make an argument that Metcalf is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And oh, by the way, Lockett was making plays like crazy for the Seahawks. But the Seahawks, again, finally lose a close game. They were 14-2 and in one-possession games. Coming into this game, they lose a one-possession game. The Arizona Cardinals get a big win and... As Dub knows, the outkick six-pack of picks in the NFL, we have been on fire. Our college football picks have not been doing that well. But in the NFL, we have been on fire. We went five and two. I gave you seven picks this past weekend. And uh, we are now 25 and 12 on the year in our NFL picks. We went five and two against the number there. Uh, All right, when we come back, we're going to continue to break down all the other really big games that uh, that took place in the NFL. Also, I'll tell you about my trip to Knoxville for the college football game. We will break all of that down for you and more. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We've got a loaded show scheduled, just so you know. Uh, Sean Merriman scheduled to join us and talk about the NFL in hour two. And then Joel Klatt, the Fox lead college football analyst, is scheduled to join us in the third hour of the program, but we're spending almost the entire show, don't worry, talking about football, breaking down everything in the NFL and in college, rolling through with you. Uh, Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a minute of this program. We want to set another record in October for overall listens. But up next, more on the NFL. What do we learn from the Cowboys? How about Tom Brady and Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and more. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their yokohama test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be I know we talked in the first hour a little bit about uh, about the game, Sunday Night Football. 
But I think it's worth just thinking about how good DK Metcalf is already. And he's only in his second year. And one of the things that will make you great, no matter what you do, is being committed to things that aren't necessarily at the essence of your overall talent and still being good at those. Let me explain by what I mean. What made Michael Jordan so incredible was his ability to dominate all crafts of his profession. Everybody wants to be the guy who hits the game-winning shot. But much of winning is buried in a lot of little things that don't typically get a lot of attention. And one reason why I wish I could buy stock in DK Metcalf is not because of what he is capable of at wide receiver. We already know that. It's because of the work ethic that he demonstrated when he caught Buda Baker from behind on what looked like a surefire pick six. DK Metcalf hit next-gen stats said a speed of 22.64 miles per hour. He looked like a horse in the Kentucky Derby that was coming down the home stretch. And Buda Baker is not a slow guy. He was running uh, at peak 21.27 miles per hour. But DK Metcalf caught him from behind. And even people who were interested in blocking DK Metcalf, if you went back and you watched that play, they weren't actually able to get there fast enough to get the block done. And the reason why I want to point that play out is because we already know DK Metcalf is the best player that Russell Wilson has ever had to throw the ball to. And the analogy that I made on this show a while back is one that remains very valid. It is that DK Metcalf is the best wide receiver for Russell Wilson much like when Tom Brady suddenly got Randy Moss. DK Metcalf is the closest thing we've seen in the NFL to Randy Moss since Randy Moss was there. But let me tell you this right now. I don't think Randy Moss would have made that effort to track down Buda Baker and make that tackle. I love Randy Moss. He's the best wide receiver I've ever seen. I have told my kids when they play Madden, hey, you need to make sure that you find a way to get Randy Moss on your all-Madden team when you can play with a bunch of different generations. We've turned his name into a verb, as in you got mossed. And there are kids today who say that that never watched Randy Moss play at all. Much like John Madden is a verb now, and a lot of kids have no idea that John Madden was ever a coach or ever a broadcaster. They just know him from the video game. I think that DK Metcalf's work ethic is going to be such that he has a chance to be one of the best wide receivers who has ever played in the NFL. And what he did on that play is perfect evidence of why that is. Now, I'm still not sold on the Seattle defense. That's why I think the Bucs are the best team in the NFC right now. I would rather have, and, and you talk about wide receiving talent, A.B., Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, I think the Bucks are going to be awful hard to beat as good as that defense is. But man, Russell Wilson against Tom Brady in an NFC championship game 
would be an awful lot of fun to watch. And by the way, we started off the program talking about Titans-Steelers. And you know what unites that game with DK Metcalf and the Seahawks we're just talking about? Both A.J. Brown, the Titans' top receiver, and DK Metcalf went to Ole Miss and were starting receivers at the same time. Both of those guys were insanely productive. But that Ole Miss football team only scored seven points against Alabama, and they didn't even make a bowl game. Now, they have, I mean, I want you to think about that for a minute right now. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, is that the greatest wide receiver tandem on the same team that has ever existed? I know both these guys are young in their NFL receiving careers, but A.J. Brown had 153 yards receiving against the Steelers and almost helped to bring the Titans back for uh, from a 20-point deficit, which the Steelers had never given up in the history of their franchise. That's what Goskowski took away from us, by the way, with the field goal that he missed. If he makes that field goal, then the Titans have erased a 20-point deficit and go into overtime having a chance to win a game against uh, the Steelers where they came from 20 points down. Goskowski's missed kick erased that from us. But to me, the big takeaway from Titans-Steelers is pretty straightforward. It's that both those teams are really good. The, the, The Steelers landed a couple of body blows, knocked the Titans down to the canvas in the first half, but the Titans got up. And I really think... The play that Ryan Tannehill is probably focused on the most when he goes back and watches that game. I'm sure everybody sees a lot of plays that they missed that they could have made. But I think the play that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the most upset about was his decision to take a uh, to take an intentional grounding, not try to roll out of the pocket a little bit more, get outside the pocket and, and fling it away. It was close. Because I think that took away the Titan goal from, hey, let's find a way to win this thing in regulation and turned it into, okay, we're probably going to have to kick a field goal. I know he threw it into the end zone if you were watching that game. He threw it into the end zone on third down, tried to make a play, gave Corey Davis a chance. It was pretty good coverage there. But I think if you go back and look at that game scenario – that's the play where the Titans probably would would go back and reassess and say, man, that's the one that we really just kind of gave away. Because in the in the final drive, and man, it was a heck of a game. And like I said, it was a heavyweight fight, and the Titans fought their way back into it in a big way. But if you go back and look at that, the Titans were in pretty good shape with uh, with the clock when they missed that field goal, they got a lot of plays off. They were trying to use up the clock so they could either win it or uh, you know they, they weren't leaving the Steelers any substantial time to be able to come back on them. But with one minute to play, the Titans had a first and 10 at the 25-yard line. And the pass had gone, uh, had gone out of bounds on the pass to A.J. Brown. Titans are sitting first and 10 at the Pittsburgh 25 with one minute to play. At that point in time, it's a relatively short field goal, although uh, you had a situation where Skoskowski missed 
a not very long field goal in NFL context anyway. But it was first and 10 at the Pittsburgh 25. Titans at that point with a minute to play, you have to be thinking we're going to win this game, right? I don't think there's any doubt. And on that first down play, credit to the Steelers for getting pressure, but Tannehill had to take a, uh, ended up taking an intentional grounding penalty, which bumped the Titans all the way back to the 35 and made loss of down, which is the really devastating thing there, and made it second and 20 right there. So uh, again, he took a shot to try to throw the ball into the end zone on third and 13 from the 28. But without that penalty, I think the Titans would have had a good chance to be throwing into the end zone with a chance to win in regulation. Instead, you should make a 45-yard field goal. That should be kind of a chip shot in the NFL, and it was certainly really close and kind of went away at the last minute, tailed off. Uh, But that was the one that I think kind of cheated us out of what would have been a pretty incredible overtime. Now, there's a lot to get into. We're going to talk about Brady Cam uh, and and the trade, basically, that the Patriots made to replace Tom Brady with Cam Newton. We got Sean Merriman scheduled to join us coming up in a little bit. Uh, the Cowboys, my goodness, what a disaster is going on there. I, I really think there's a good chance Mike McCarthy is going to lose his job. I don't even know what the long-range uh, outcome is going to be of of these guys. Just such a messy situation to find yourself in. And we'll talk about that with Sean Merriman. Also, a lot of NFL teams have already moved from, hey, let's see what's going to happen this season, to they're already thinking about tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And one of those teams, inexplicably, is the Atlanta Falcons. And I had Dub researching this because I was like, hey, Dub, I know Atlanta has had a tough fall with the Braves giving up a 3-1 series lead to the Dodgers and certainly with uh, the uh, the loss that the Georgia Bulldogs took to uh, Alabama and Georgia Tech is just not very good. But the Atlanta Falcons are 1-6 right now. 1-6. And, and if you actually look at their schedule, there's no way imaginable that they should be 1-6. And And so I'm sorry for bringing this up, Atlanta area sports fans, but Todd Gurley scored a touchdown when he was trying not to score that opened up the door for Matthew Stafford to be able to drive all the way down the field and score. I think they scored with like 11 seconds to go. Gurley, you'll remember, a couple of years ago, memorably chose not to score for the Rams and that caused uh, the I think the under hit as a result and the Rams didn't cover dub I mean what in the world is going on with the Falcons right now well yesterday was a hilarious atrocity with Todd Gurley accidentally scoring it was one of the more Atlanta sports things I've ever seen but I mean if you didn't see that video he legitimately tried to stop himself from going into the end zone and couldn't do it Absolutely, and I'm sure Todd Gurley fantasy owners were rejoicing at that fact. But there's three games so far this season from the Atlanta Falcons that really, really stick Epitomized out. Epitomized one in six. Like, this is a one in six team that very easily could have a winning record and be in the mix to make the playoffs in the NFC this year. They should be, yeah. And let's start with number one. The worst one, by far, I think, is the Dallas Cowboys. And I say yes. I think because I'm not even entirely sure which just goes to speak on the disaster that this season's been. They let the Cowboys come back and somehow miraculously win that game. They had a win probability of 99.9% late in that game. 
they end up losing to the Dallas Cowboys. The next one was this Sunday against Detroit. They had a 96.6% chance late in that game to win. And if Todd Gurley doesn't score, they wind the clock down, they kick a chip shot field goal to win the game. That's number two. And number three is Chicago. They had a 26-10 lead heading into the fourth quarter against the Chicago Bears. And at that moment in the game, they had a 99.2% chance to win that game. So there's three games, 99.9 against Dallas, 99.2 against Chicago, and 96.6 yesterday against the Lions. All three of those games are losses. And if they win those three, which they should have done by all statistical measure, then they're sitting at four and three, and they're in pretty good shape in terms of coming up on the halfway point of the season and thinking about being able to make a run to make the playoffs, particularly considering we've got an extra playoff team in the AFC and the NFC. And instead, they're, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this, uh, I think, because the Trevor Lawrence big decisions out there, they're going to have to make a decision. Arthur Blank, their owner is, given the fact that they've already fired uh, Dan Quinn as the head coach, they're going to have to make a big decision about whether they're committing and continuing to be Matt Ryan's franchise going forward, or are they going to make the decision to uh, to go elsewhere and try to maybe get in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes? I don't know the answer. I don't think anybody does for sure. But you know that's one of the challenging things about making a decision like this. When we come back, we're going to talk with Sean Merriman, lights out himself. We'll talk about everything going on in the NFL and more. That's next. Appreciate all of you hanging out with me. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, 
You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestine tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their redestine test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we're joined now by Sean Merriman. You can hear him on the Lights Out podcast, breaking down a lot of the NFL action that happened yesterday as we get ready for the completion of NFL Week 7 tonight. But first question for you, Sean Merriman, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the best team in the NFC based on what you've seen right now? Not record. We know they don't have the best record in the NFC But with their combination of defense and now adding Antonio Brown to Godwin and Evans with the legendary status of Tom Brady seeming to be pretty still in solid standing, are they the best? Well, I think they're the most dangerous, right? Because this is a team that if you look at them, they're built for long-term success. And even though they had a rocky uh, rocky start, you know, the, all the additions with Antonio Brown and guys getting back healthy, they look like they're going to be the most dangerous team. So um, the best, it's hard to say, but definitely the most dangerous. Okay, and the flip side of the Tom Brady's team looking great, being 5-2, and two, is the New England Patriots look done. Cam Newton was bad. They got dominated by Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. Are the Patriots in any way a playoff team this year? Can they fix what is wrong with this team? Yeah, so somehow, some way, I think they'll end up <laughs> end up in the playoffs. They'll squeak their way in. I think they're starting off extremely slow because they're never they're not used to what they're going through right now. They've had Tom Brady there for you know two decades, and now they're trying to figure out a, a new way of life. So, you know, yes, I think they always have opportunity because their division, obviously Buffalo's playing great, Miami's came on strong, uh, but you got a weaker division when you're seeing guys like the Jets, you always have a chance. So if they, if they find a way to get high somewhere towards the middle of the season, towards the end, then, yeah, the Patriots, you can't count them out. How many times we count the Patriots out and they just find a way to, to squeak in? 
Oh, a ton, but at least then they had Brady. I just don't know what exactly is going on with Cam. Uh, In the biggest game of the weekend, I felt like we learned a lot about the Titans and the Steelers, and it was that both teams were for real. They basically played to an even tie if if you get a made field goal at the end of regulation like you should have from Steven Goskowski. The Steelers came out and dominated the first half. The Titans really dominated the second half. What, if anything, did you learn about these two teams? Well, they were both undefeated. But one thing I did learn is the Steelers is the better undefeated team, right? They did a a magnificent job early on stopping Derrick Henry in the first half, making them change his feet, slow down, change directions in the backfield, didn't let them get going downhill. And that was really the key for them. And they did it. They came out. They showed better emotion. They showed up that they was more hype and ready for the game. Uh, maybe they was hearing the talk of Derrick Henry all week. I remember when I was playing, if you heard a running back was coming in, and he had a lot of hype. I mean, we, we, we basically put that up on our, on our lockers. Uh, we put it up in the locker room as the guy, to, the guy to beat. You know, it was more like, less, we need to beat this team, but we need to stop this guy. And they came out the first half showing that they need to stop this guy, and they did that. So, uh, you know, it was surprising to me to, to, to let them off the hook the second half, and it was, a, it was a different ball game. How do you assess that going forward? Do you think the Steelers are the best team in the AFC? I do. I do, because they're, they're the most balanced, right? We, we know the Titans do well. They run the ball. Uh, they, they block well. Uh, and they play solid defense. They don't have stars, but they play solid defense. The Steelers, on the other hand, they got guys that can put the ball in the end zone and give them play. Uh, they got a runner like James Conner is catching the ball like the backfield. He's doing multiple things great. The Titans don't have that. They have a great running game. They have guys up front that are blocking for them. Don't get me wrong. Brown, I, I love him. I think he's uh, uh, provided some explosive plays for them, but he's, he's not as consistent as this Steeler offense is. What is the, what's going to happen going forward with the Cowboys? Is Mike McCarthy going to last more than a year? I mean, this team, it seems like the wheels have completely come off. And I know the NFC East is so bad that anybody could still find a way to win it. But the Cowboys team looks completely done. Yeah, normally you would look to to move coaches and fire coaches halfway during the season with uh, McCarthy. But the fact of the matter is, is the position is so bad that you always have a chance and opportunity. So you don't fire coaches that way. Also, you know, you got a bunch of injuries. Offensive line, uh, you know, Zeke fumbled three times last game. You got a bunch of uncharacteristic things going on. So you don't fire coaches when those type of things are happening. But let me tell you this: if they don't win a division and they don't go to the playoffs, he will be fired. He will not make it through a whole year. It is kind of wild to think about because Cowboy fans kind of had this idea, Jason Garrett is the reason we can't take the next step. If they end up bringing Mike McCarthy in and the wheels continue to stay off of this team and they flounder like they're floundering now, what do you do? Do you go back to the drawing board and say, well, we don't really want to commit long-term to Dak? Do you go back into the rebuild mode? Or do you think the Cowboys believe this is just a series of injuries? Maybe we need to clean out the entire coaching staff, but we're not that far away. How do they assess the talent on this roster? Yeah, first and foremost, in my personal opinion, I think they kept Jason Garrett two years too long. Uh, you got guys who are retiring with Smith, the offensive lineman. You got guys who um, were valuable assets, and now they're older or injured. 
and they don't have the same team. I almost feel bad for Andy Dalton because, you know, he's coming into a situation where, you know, you look at the Dallas Cowboys and they're one of the best offensive line groups in there. You got uh, a good wide receiving core in Mari Cooper. You got a good tight end that's playing well. You got uh, Demarcus Lawrence, a $100 million defensive end that's going to play. So it looks like on paper when he first signed is the team to go to, you can back up and look good. Now he's faced with a team that's riddled with injuries. Ezekiel Elliott is not playing the same way he's playing, and the coaches are not coaching a good game. So he's almost in a situation where he's, he's set up to fail. And I feel very bad for him because he spent so many years in a bad organization with Cincinnati. Now he has to deal with a bad situation with Dallas. We've got a, we're talking to Sean Merriman. I encourage you to go listen to the Lights Out podcast that he has. I, I, one of the things that I think is is interesting, Sean, as you kind of look uh, look ahead, is a lot of teams are bad, and maybe Trevor Lawrence is you know sort of the the light on the horizon for them. How many teams do you think legitimately are going to end up in the mix? Maybe not tanking for Trevor, but at least thinking about trying to put together a package deal to get him, right? I mean, because I think there's going to be a lot of teams that, let's say, finish in the 4-12 and range. And they may not be as bad as the Jets, but what are the Jets going to do? They want multiple picks for that number one overall. Are they going to take Trevor Lawrence? How much attention do you think starts to pivot as we come up on the halfway point and so many teams already have been eliminated looking toward that brass ring, that difference maker that Trevor Lawrence could potentially represent. You know, back when Eli Manning elected not to come to the San Diego Chargers at the time, I looked at him as a guy that, uh, uh, you know, not confident, someone who was weaker and, uh, you know, just not a trustworthy person. Now that I look at the business of the NFL, if I was Trevor Lawrence uh, in the draft, and the Jets tried to draft me, I would opt out. I would do everything I can not to go. And for the simple fact of they're not trying to do anything in that organization to win. They're, doing, they're making all the wrong moves. They're hiring the wrong people. Adam Gates needs to go. The GM needs to go. Multiple things need to happen in the organization. And as someone like Trevor Lawrence, who's coming in, don't waste your career on an organization that don't want to win and don't want to put you in the best situation to win. So you opt out not to go to them. So if he, if the Jets elect to draft him, I would hold out and not go. Now, uh, Barrow, Joe Barrow is a, is a case we're seeing prime example, right? I mean, they're throwing 60-plus times a game. They're putting a rookie in a bad situation. A good organization don't do things like that. A good organization don't put your rookie, a guy that you look to be there five-plus years, in a bad situation to throw 60-plus times a game. That's a horrible thing to do. Uh, so if I was Trevor Lawrence, I would absolutely 100% elect not to be there to the Jets if they were to draft me. And then that creates, and that's an interesting perspective that you have now as an NFL veteran, that would then create a lot of trade drama, right? Because there are a lot of teams, if the Jets end up with the number one overall pick, if Trevor Lawrence is saying, hey, I'll sit out for a year, I can sign endorsement deals, I can make a lot of money, I can go back, maybe even play at Clemson another year. If he did that, there would be a lot of teams, much like what happened with Eli Manning and the Chargers, that would try to do whatever they could to get that pick to be able to acquire him as a talent. Yeah, and if you really look at it, um, Eli did it for a situation he didn't want to be in in a market that was smaller. It wasn't necessarily organization. It was a smaller market. 
The Jets are a bad organization. They don't treat players well. They don't put guys in, uh, in, in, in great positions to win. And for that reason, you don't want to go there and be a waste. And I know you don't want to be looked at as a, a problem child or a guy that's coming in to think he's uh, the best link things in sliced bread. Uh, but at the same time, when you're the number one draft pick, you want to be in a situation to win. You want to be able to look at the ownership and say, you know what, these guys are trying to put me in the best situation to win. Look at what's happening in Cincinnati. Period. If you look at Joe Barrow, he elected to go there. He didn't make a big deal about it. People wondered if he was going to go there or not or complain or anything. He went there, but they're not doing the right things with Joe Barrow. They're treating him as if he's the guy that's going to be there for a year or two, a couple of years, and not their guy that's going to be there five or ten plus years. So if, if the Jets, if I'm Trevor Lawrence and the Jets elect to draft me, I would not go. Outstanding stuff as always, my man. It's Sean Merriman. You can hear him at the Lights Out podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks thanks for having me on. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts? You know, o o o -O who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their general tires test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be the loathsome Joel Klatt joins us now at Joel Klatt on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, it was a big weekend. So uh, I went uh, to watch my first college football game in person. I watched uh, Alabama just dismantle Tennessee. But I think Alabama is going to and has been dismantling a lot of football teams this year. And I think there's a lot more uh, that are going to come before all is said and done. But we bring in uh, Joel to talk about the Big Ten returning and more you were up in Columbus. What was the vibe like for the return of the Big Ten in that game between Nebraska and Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, listen, they were they were through the roof excited. You know, Scott Frost was the Nebraska players, uh, uh, everybody for Ohio State. There's no doubt. All those Zoom calls, they were just like, man, we can't wait to get out there. That being said, you know, I've done um, now a, a fair share of my game. I think seven games I've done, I think, if I'm counting correctly. But this was the first one with zero fans. You know, I've had a game canceled on me on a Friday, that Baylor-Houston game. But this was the first one with zero fans. At least even the very first one of the season, Arkansas State versus Kansas State, there was about 11,000 people in there. There was a band there. Same with Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River game. There was about 23,000 people there. So this one was, I thought, the, the most odd, you know, and, and to be honest, like it just, it, it was so disappointing in some respect because there was so much quality play on the field. And, and in particular for guys that you could tell had dreamed of playing there were part of a huge recruiting class, like their wide receiver, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who made that unbelievable touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. And it's kind of like that play and his career, like it, he deserved 104,000 people there, you know? Yeah. Um, and obviously that's not possible, but it, it definitely felt odd, Clay. It, it was the first time this season that I sat back during a couple of commercial breaks and I was like, man, this is a, a bit of a struggle from an atmosphere standpoint. We're talking uh, with Joel Klatt. What did you take away from the game on the field itself? Did Ohio State, I know it was the first game of the season, but did Ohio State look to you like one of the four best teams in college football? Oh, without question. And and I think that the gap between the top of college football right now and even like the next tier is really wide. And I would say even Notre Dame is more next tier than they are top tier, right? I think that there are four unbelievable teams in college football. And I include Georgia, even though they don't have a great quarterback right now, but I include Georgia just because their roster is so complete. And, and, and obviously Clemson, Alabama, and then Ohio State is in that category. 
They're the only four teams in the country that have double-digit five-star recruits on their team. You know, if there's 20 five-star recruits overall in the Big Ten Conference. 20, that's it, Clay. 14 of them are on Ohio State's roster. So they're just so much better than everybody else. And Justin Fields, and this is what separates the top three, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State from Georgia, is that those top three have legitimate uh, Heisman-level top-end college football talent at the quarterback position, and and Ohio State also has that at the wide receiver uh, spot. Their offensive line was really good. There's not a doubt in my mind that, that Ohio State is one of the four best, and I would say one of the three best teams in college football right now. So you tweeted this out that I thought was really interesting, and I screenshotted it um, because I was like, I want to bring this up when you come on the show the next time. And uh, I'm scrolling through my phone to find it, and I've got it right here. Five-star recruits (laughs) on roster by conference. Uh, This is a tweet you sent out last week. The SEC has 54. The Big Ten has 20. The ACC has 15. The Pac-12 has 13. The Big 12 has 11. Now, People out there are going to scream, well, J.J. Uh, Watt was a two-star, you know, like all, you know, like people always say. But in general, the more five-stars you have, the more talented your football team is because there are so few of them. And you broke it down here, and you might have just reiterated it, but Georgia has 16 five-stars. Ohio State has 14. Alabama has 12. And Clemson has 11. The entire Big 12 has 11 and if you eliminate Georgia and Alabama from the roster and again Georgia and Alabama have 28 five stars the SEC would still even without Georgia and Alabama having any players at all and Georgia and Alabama are clearly the most talented they would still have the highest total of five stars in college football even if you take away all those numbers from Georgia and Alabama the point on all this is it's really pretty extraordinary uh, how talented those four teams are relative to everybody else. Yeah, and and the and that's why I don't you know I've I've been on the record a few different times. I I'm growing, um, I, I'm I'm changing, Clay. I, I would say that like my my feelings towards the playoff have changed over over this first iteration of the playoff. I, I feel I really do feel like while it's it's so it's so much fun. The unintended consequences of the playoff are that it's really hurting the sport because the separation of the have, haves and the have-nots is not happening at 15, 16, 17, and 18. It's happening at three and four, right? Like, there's four teams that legitimately can win the national championship this year. That's it. Do you sorry. think expanding like, the playoff yeah, sorry, to – yeah. Do you think expanding the playoff to eight would help that because more teams would be able to think that they have a chance to get to the playoff, which might allow? So I'm I'm fascinated by this in general. Yeah, I, because I, I don't know, and this is I'm really wrestling with this, and and you know I sound like some sort of philosopher, which I'm clearly not, but like I'm I'm wrestling with this right now, and I'm and I'm thinking about it because on one hand, I I. I am starting to believe deep down that the playoff is bad for college football overall because of what's happening at the top and not happening everywhere else. And, and, and that being said, if you grow the playoff, these conferences, because they own the playoff, Clay will have automatic births. And you could say, like, well, that's great. Well, is it great? Because if you have automatic births, you automatically nullify the importance of any non-conference game that is ever played. Like, it just doesn't matter. It's literally an exhibition. And, and I don't know if I like that either. So 
I don't know what the fix is, man. Like I, I wish I did. I'm going to be thinking really hard about this this year, and and hopefully, I can think and and come up with some sort of idea of how like we can fix this. Because here's the other part of this that that I think needs to be said in the playoff era. Okay, there's been only three teams that have made the playoff, just made the playoff, that have had a recruiting ranking of their average of their last four years before that playoff appearance of. 15 or lower. Does that make sense? Like a national recruiting ranking average over four years, right before they make it of 15 or lower. That was um, uh, Oregon the first year. Then it was Michigan state. Then it was Washington. Right. And so it's never happened since then. So I just don't know, like you talk about expanding the playoff. Yes. That's probably the answer because at this point, when, when it's, when it's just, the four best teams in college football, we already know who they are. We just do. Um, and, and, and that's, I think that that's frustrating for everybody else because what's the avenue? Like, let's say Oklahoma State, okay? Bring up Oklahoma State right now. They had a huge win against Iowa State. If they go undefeated, I would say, like, they should deserve a spot in the playoff, and they'll probably go to the playoff. But they would be one of those teams that don't average a, a recruiting class in the top 15 over the last four years. It's actually like 40th. So in college football, we've turned Oklahoma State into the George Mason of the NCAA tournament. Like, I don't love that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think the other aspect of this is, is it also a function of how much better recruiting rankings are getting? Right? Because some people would say, again, who are who would get upset when all the attention goes to recruiting rankings, they, they cite, you know, aberrations. And for people out there who are not paying attention to the, the, the overall talent that's coming in, yes, there are two-star athletes that develop into first-round talent, but sure. th- there are way more two-stars, right? There are way more three-stars. There are relatively few four- and five-stars, and they are overwhelmingly overrepresented when it comes time to the NFL draft. And I think that's a sign that the recruiting rankings in general in football, because a lot of these guys get into camps now, uh, you know, the tape is better. There's just better analysis. And I think, you know, the seven on sevens are so much more commonplace. It's a lot easier to rank the talent. And I wonder how much of the talent is the top guys say, well, I want to go somewhere where I can win a championship. And what they're recognizing is there's relatively few places that they can do that. Yeah. And, and I wonder if NIL, the, the name image and likeness is going to weed this out because let's be honest, right? Like, wouldn't you rather be the big fish in the pond? Yeah, that's a good argument when it comes to name image and likeness. for for people out there who argue that, that it's going to make the rich richer. I think it actually creates an opportunity for the poorer schools to actually be able to compete on some levels in a way that they are not now. Let's just bring it up like this. Would you rather be – so Ohio State, just in their starting 22 players, right, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, seven of them were recruited as five-star players. That's insane, right, seven of them. By the way, LSU has seven total five-star players. Ohio State has seven starters that were five stars. Rather than being the seventh five-star player for Ohio State starting, trying to make money in Columbus on name, image, and likeness – wouldn't you rather be the only five-star player on, let's say, I don't know, sake of argument, Minnesota in Minneapolis? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think you could probably make 
$100,000 more being yep. the only five-star player on Minnesota rather than the seventh starter that's a five-star player at Ohio State. So, now, And not I, only I, a like, school I, like that, I, I, I mean, know. Minnesota is a big Power 5 conference school. I think it's possible, I'm just tossing a school out there, let's say you're a stud from near Hattiesburg, Mississippi. You can be a player at Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, you know, one of those schools, but you're like the 20th best player in their class. Or you can go to Hattiesburg and the local car dealer in Hattiesburg will put you on a billboard and give you a hundred grand. Wouldn't I mean I think there are a lot of dudes out there that ordinarily would say, Oh, I'd rather be the twentieth best player in the recruiting class of Alabama or Auburn or Ole Miss or whoever it is. But instead, I'm going to be the number one recruit in Southern Miss and everybody in my small area is going to know me and I'll have more value there. That's, I, I think that that's exactly right. And we'll just have to see because I think uh, what, you, what you're also going to see is right now, you know, athletic directors are going to their biggest boosters and, and begging for money in order to increase the, the – the lifestyle of their their athletes on campus. They're going to build them, you know, better locker rooms, better services, all this stuff. So they're pouring money into the the quality of life of their student athlete. Well, what's going to happen? And I've had off the record conversations with a number, Clay, a number of athletic directors who have told me point blank, "Well, I'm just going to go to my boosters and tell them to just." give that money straight to the player on some sort of billboard and not give it to me. And now <laughs> right. I just won't have, I just won't have three juice bars a day. We'll have one juice bar a day. I'm going to cut down my cost by let's call it $2 million over the course of, of 12 months. And that $2 million will find its way to my players just in different, in a different Avenue. So maybe the rich will get richer. Maybe this will water things down. I think it's a fascinating conversation, though, in particular when we're sitting here and it's the week before Halloween. It's Halloween week, right? Uh, I mean, here we are. It's, it's Monday of Halloween. And, and Clay, we know who's going to play for the national championship. We just do. I, like, I, I don't know how to break this to anybody, but the national championship game is going to be two of the best three teams in the country. It's either going to be Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State playing each other in that game. Is there any, and I think I know the answer based on what you just said, but is there any way that Penn State can upset the Big Ten apple cart of Buckeye expectation on Halloween night in Happy Valley? Ordinarily, you would say, oh, that's going to be a ruckus atmosphere. That's going to be crazy. You never know what happens at night in college football in front of 100,000 fans. Wacky things can occur. But now it's going to be a night game with literally no one in the stands. Yeah, and and the road teams are just at such an advantage. Look at Michigan and and the Crushed autonomy them. that they were. Yeah, and and the autonomy that they were able to operate. When I say autonomy on offense, when you can operate with autonomy, that means that you have full disposal of every tool. No communication know, issues. Have. It's just That's like right. a scrimmage. Cadence plays. You can change, but you can do whatever you want. It is just like a scrimmage. And how much more advantageous is that for a guy making his first start? And they took advantage, man. They, they pounded Minnesota, pounded them and, and good for them. Right. It was, it was good to watch that offensive line play and the running backs play, but so, so here, 
at the beginning of the, you know, my studying in the offseason, I'm like, that's the one game that I look at and, and Ohio State's going to have trouble with because they always have trouble there in the whiteout. Everybody does. Michigan can't beat Penn State uh, in, in State College. Remember a couple of years ago, it's the game that saved James Franklin's job when they blocked the field goal against Ohio yep. State and beat that talented Buckeye team. Like, that is an incredibly tough environment that is just completely nullified now. And Ohio State is, is sorry, Penn State, but way better than the Nittany Lions, in particular with Journey Brown out, in particular with Micah Parsons out, and in particular when Penn State's coming off a game in which their coach completely botched the game. Like, they should be walking out of, of, of Bloomington with a win, and James Franklin botches the game, just period. You can't mismanage a game worse than he did, and now they've got to go play Ohio State, and Ohio State is going to be ready, and I think that they're going to play really well. I just don't see Penn State beating them. Is there a chance? Sure. I mean, there's there's always a chance. I just I don't see anybody in the Big Ten playing within two scores, Clay, of Ohio State during the course of the year. And that's going to be fascinating to watch as we go forward. Um, another big storyline, obviously, in the Big Ten is going to be what exactly happens as, you know, there's, I'm not going to bring you in to be sort of a virologist to try to analyze this thing, but just in a broad concept, are you concerned about the fact that the Big Ten doesn't really have a safety net to games, right? Like, if players or games have to get uh, postponed or canceled, it's not like the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC, which were able, knock on wood, so far to kind of adjust games, and so far we haven't had to miss any conference games. Are you concerned about the, the basically the lack of safety net that exists now for the Big 10, given that the season has started? Only in the sense that, I don't know what the minimum requirement is going to be for the committee. First of all, I don't think that they will set a, a, a minimum, but there certainly will be an internal minimum, you would think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's that's the only – because there's going to be games canceled in the Big Ten. You know, just – And not po- not postponed, canceled because of the way their well, schedule right, is set they up. They can't postpone it. They, they just yeah. can't. There's the, like, like you were talking about, there's no wiggle room. And it's going to happen. And they put themselves behind the eight ball because they, they wanted to <laughs> – and again, this is because they canceled, to, uh, you know, they postponed the season originally. And so when they do bring it back, they have egg on their face. So what do they do? They throw out some ridiculous 21 day right. auto sit out for a player that has a, a positive test, which is to be quite honest with you, pretty ridiculous and, and a frustration from the coaches and some of the athletic directors that had to give that up in order to get the season. Um, and, and trust me, I've talked with coaches and athletic directors that have talked with the medical personnel like at the premier institutes in the country that are treating COVID. Um, one of them is, is in Omaha, by the way, that, ha- that treated the very first COVID patient in the country. And so they've been at this from the forefront. And, you know, there have been people told, like, listen, the 21-day thing is the dumbest thing of all time. So this is a huge virtue signal, like, hey, we postpone and we're coming back, but we still think it's more dangerous than you think it is. So we're going to have this 21-day mark, which is going to really wreak havoc on their schedule. And uh, so so that still remains to be uh, determined. I've seen you tweeting about this. I heard from a ton of Nebraska fans the targeting rule in college football remains oh, a mess. Egregious. I, I think two Nebraska players uh, have now are going to have to miss por- portions of the second game. What is the fix here? 
I mean, we've been talking about this, I feel, for like five years in college football yeah. in particular, and it's still not fixed. Well, and, and it's only not fixed because of the loathsome. I mean, you say I'm loathsome. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and sorry to those of you out there that are this person out there, but the loathsome like injury litigators out there. You were you were a lawyer. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a loathsome person on many levels. Yes, I was a lawyer. I've adopted basically the most hated professions that anybody can be in. I'm in the media, and I am a lawyer. I think the combination of those two makes me basically the vilest human on earth. Well, and and accurately so. So (laughs) you know, but um, the fear of litigation, you know, is is so abundant in in the administration levels of of college football and college athletics intercollegiate athletics and and so they have to present this um this idea of safety this facade of safety and they are unwilling to backtrack because if they do walk back the targeting rule and and create levels to it and i'll talk about the fix but if they do walk it back and try to quote fix it it will look to litigators as if they're being soft in the player safety issues. So that's why they're unwilling to do it. And yet, and yet, they're unwilling also to fix the game clock issue, which is that in college football, we still stop the game clock after first downs like it's little league football so that the old guys can run the chains and set them. It's the dumbest thing of all time. I've done the math, and did you know that a normal – a normal team that's not going hyperspeed on offense, a normal team could save about 95 snaps over the course of a season if the game clock would just run after first down. So you wouldn't see it. It wouldn't affect the game whatsoever, but you would reduce the total number of snaps on your football team by about 90 to 95. Teams that go hyper fast would be about 120. Well, guess what that is? That's a full game of contact. Right. So you're you're meaning to tell me that you're you're out there, you know, champ, the the champion of player safety, and you're unwilling to do that small, minute clock change that would actually remove tangible snaps of the football from those players. Give me a break. So we go back to the targeting rule. Here's how I would fix it. I would create two levels for it. In the egregious instances where you've got clear intent to use the crown of the helmet as a weapon in particular high on an opponent, I think that player should and, and, and is ejected. And in a case where you've got targeting, you've got forcible contact to the head or neck area, but it's in a normal course of football, that should be a 15-yard penalty and the player stays in the game. I'm just trying to retain players' ability to play the sport that they love. We've got now Dante Williams, a really good player for Nebraska, who I thought got thrown out of the game on a really poor call. Mike Pereira agreed with me. And now he's going to have to miss the first half against Wisconsin next week. Cam Taylor Britt, their corner, thrown out, missing the first half of the Wisconsin game. So two of their secondary players, and it's a good secondary, in a year in which Scott Frost is trying to build momentum, in particular when he's trying to build up his recruiting base, and now they've got to play a team in their division that's, you know, some picked them to win with a quarterback who may be out there or maybe not because the Big Ten has this 21-day rule out there. But there was 21 a 20 of 21 uh, in his first game starting against Illinois last Friday night. It's a mess, dude. It's an absolute mess. I don't, I don't understand why these guys in the replay booth won't just take the targeting off. If, it's, if there's any question whatsoever, just take it off so the kid can play. Like, what, what are we doing? And it, 
ejecting a player from the game should only be held for the egregious instances where there is clear intent to use the crown of the helmet as a weapon. Joel Klatt, fired up. I appreciate it, my man, and we will talk to you next week. Love it. See you guys. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.